great sound. I'm here tonight with with Arn Ra. Arn, thank you so much for uh, for coming on my little channel here. Thank you very much. Um, yep. I, I uh, we we were just speaking before we started rolling about um, a little bit about my background of uh, of being raised in a, a church where young earth creation creationism was uh, was <laughs> was sort of the party line. Um, and I wanted to talk to you right out of the gate here um, about your your sort of tireless work. You've been doing this for such a long time, um, engaging with creationists. Um, how did creationism first get onto your your radar? Well, I'm in America, so I mean, there's that. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so it, I was surprisingly alarmed uh, that everybody I had ever met, I mean, I was the only person I knew in my entire life who understood what evolution was, much less accepted it, until I was, say, 14. Hmm. I was 14 before I met the first other person who knew what evolution was and considered it a thing. Was that other person a, a science educator or just another? Uh, he was a teacher. Guy. Okay. A middle school teacher. And he was the one that was so rude to me that he actually told me that he laughed in my face when I mentioned something about Noah's flood and said there was no damn flood. And uh, it's funny. All he had to do was be completely callous about it and you know, laugh in the little boy's face. And uh, I realized within two or three minutes that, of course, there wasn't a flood. What the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> right. right, right. Well, that's It's surprising how when everybody believes this ridiculous thing, that it doesn't cross your mind how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's the thing I've, I've talked about. Uh, recently I, I was on Neil, uh, the 604 atheists channel talking about my deconversion. And I talked a little bit about that, that embarrassment of coming out of Christianity and then, you know, reading and rereading the Bible and going, you know, wow, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why this didn't occur to me, you know, for so long that this, this is, is silly. The stuff that I, that I believed. Um, I also yeah. figured out why people read the Bible over and over again, because it's it's not like a movie or like most other things. It's like you, you miss stuff. It's That's like true. every time I read, I'll, I'll reread pieces of it, like the Gospels, for example. I read all the Gospels one night, and I just I just had to keep notes for shit I didn't remember seeing before. Sure. I, I read back uh, Exodus twenty through thirty four again because you know that's the whole. Not just ten, but a whole bunch more yeah, commandments. Dems the rules. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm finding so much more crap than I noticed the first couple of times, and it, it's surprising how much you miss. Yeah. Well, Christians are obviously missing that too. When I bring up that 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 tree of eternal life, and then mm -hmm. like that last verse out of out of uh, Genesis, what is it for? Um, where God has to take Adam out before he eats of the fruit of the tree of eternal life, then. Christians are completely unaware that that ever happened. <clears throat> yeah, the well, or that there are earlier myths that uh, that sort of inform those stories. Um, I so it's an interesting thing. So you talk about this this confrontation with somebody being just very straightforward and honest with you about there not being a flood. And one one of my favorite things about your work um, is you know, this sort of no bullshit approach, this sort of zero tolerance policy toward, uh, toward BS claims. Um, and the way that you talk about, about the claims of the Bible, not just that, that parts of the Bible are wrong, but that, that really everything about the document is, uh, is wrong. Um, I don't hear too many people doing that. <laughs> and I'm wondering, have you always had that approach or is that something that, that, that came to, to happen over time? The more you engaged with people uh, making uh, religious claims. I had to lose it bits at a time. I mean, I, I, I never, I was never a creationist, as I mentioned. Uh, my, my family didn't indoctrinate me in religious dogma until they had a tradition until I reached the age of reason, which they arbitrarily decided would be eight years old. Uh, only by the time I was eight years old, I'd already seen, you know, books of dinosaurs and seen cladograms and stuff and mm -hmm. had, a, had already had an idea of what evolution is, how it works. I was fascinated with dinosaurs like a lot of other kids. I see how all, all life is related because I'm, I'm seeing a pretty accurately done tree of life. 
And by the time they, they, they walk in, like on my eighth birthday, my wife, uh, my mom comes in and with this, with this Bible and says, this is the absolute truth in the word of God. And I remember my, my, my gut reaction to it, reading it was, uh, no, it isn't. See what it says here? Mm. And the idea that you have to believe this, even when it's wrong, was a problem. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Then you don't believe that. You shouldn't believe anything that might be wrong. You know, you don't want to believe anything that is not evidently true. And these people are like, no, I, I will believe what I want to believe, and I will make myself believe that, and you can't talk me out of that. Well, then you're a fool. By definition, you're a fool. Because a fool, it, I mean, in common parlance, everybody understands that a fool is someone who too readily accepts improbable claims from questionable sources on insufficient evidence, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, well, <laughs> of course, the counter that you'll hear the 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 sort of regurgitation from the text does well the fool in his heart says there is no god so we right, get but, these, why does these definitional why, problems why does the both the bible and the quran both use the opposite definition of a fool than we have in common parlance yeah yeah i i ran in, i i was i had an encounter today with a with a believer who uh was speaking with uh, a, a non-believing friend of mine saying that that he reminded her of thomas and I, I, I said to this this woman, I was like, you know, your 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 book condemns the skeptic while telling you that you're gonna they they pinky promise you're gonna get the rewards in the afterlife if you'll just believe stuff without any evidence. Does that is that a big red flag to to you or or is it just me? <laughs> Turned out it was just me. Um, but <laughs> the the but 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 faith seems to be the problem. Um, and I. Uh, that's why I'm an epistivist. I, I regard faith as the most dishonest position it is possible to have. It is inherently deceptive. And any belief that requires faith should be rejected for that reason. I was hoping you would say that. I and and that's something I'd like to explore with you. Why it is that faith is the is, is really the worst, the worst position you can have. Um and when, when if someone you don't mind, I'd like you to include a link to an article I wrote because there's always Christians who want to argue. They want to pretend that I got this wrong. They want to pretend that their faith is based on evidence. No, it's fucking not. Hmm. Uh, they want to pretend that, that well, in Koine Greek, they, it doesn't say against logic or reason. Well, yeah, it doesn't say it that way, does it? But the implication is clear. You believe what you're told because you're told to. Sure. And right. it doesn't and, matter whether it's in Koine Greek or whether it's in, in Aramaic or, or Hebrew or or if it's translated into modern English in the King James or any other version, the implication is clear. You do not put the Lord your God to the test. You believe what you're told to believe. Uh, Thomas, you have you believe because you've seen the evidence, but blessed is he who has right. not seen right. and yet believed. Because we have... I, I have in the, the article that I want you to link below, I mean, I, I have references to Martin Luther, to St. Augustine, to a whole bunch of different people who are all describing how faith is a belief that is not based on evidence. It's what you believe against reason, is what you believe without reason, is what you believe beyond reason. Right. It is not conditioned by evidence. If it was, then every religious believer would be able to give the facts that indicated their position, and those facts would convince me too. They would be demonstrable facts. We'd be able to verify that they are, in fact, factual. And those facts would count as evidence because they're positively indicative of and or exclusively concordant with their conclusion and not any other. So, But, but instead, what do we get? We get the circular arguments of logical fallacies. Arguments are not evidence, especially not when they're logically invalid. And there's every logical fallacy is employed here. Right. So equivocation is common, and question begging is common. Well, who who created the universe if it wasn't God? Well, there's your presupposition fallacy. You think there was a who, right? So logical fallacies and lunacy are the only arguments they got. It's not evidence. You believe in arguments from authority, not arguments from evidence. And remember, the argument is only the, the, the means by which you convey the evidence, what the facts are and what they mean. Right. Right. Well, this is Paul Hagen himself said, arguments from authority are worthless. Whatever is inconsistent with the facts, no matter how fond of it we are, must be discarded or revised. That is an evidence-based position. Yeah. But if you're basing it on authority, if you're basing it on faith, then you believe what you're told because you're told to. 
two things immediately come to mind. One is I, I, I would urge people to, we'll post that, that, that article. I, I would urge people to look at uh, some of the sermons that, that Martin Luther gave talking specifically about how reason is, is the enemy of, of religious belief of Christianity. Um, yeah, and, that, and if I may jump in, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm doing that a lot. No, no, no please. But, but uh, I had seen a lot of quotes from, from Martin Luther. And uh, he he really did hate reason, but I wanted to get something that that people hadn't seen commonly, and that was some of the quotes that were not commonly seen on the internet, because one or two of these were misattributed. I, when I found the first one that was to Martin Luther that was actually misattributed, I freaked out about it. I needed to verify everything from that point. So what I did was I found um, uh, a letter of uh, his epistle to the Galatians, I think it was, and I read that through, and I'm like, well, here's something I've never seen quoted online. Yeah, I'm reading the the, the uh, as he, you know, the English translation, obviously, but of what he had written there, and again, over and over and over again, he absolutely hates reason. Reason is the greatest whore, and so forth, as he right. said in other presentations. That, so yeah, he was pretty he was pretty consistent about it. You believe what you're told to believe because you have to believe it, and if you don't believe it, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. Oh, I mean, at least it's, it's, it's very straightforward. That is exactly what I was, was thinking about was that that uh, document that you're you're referring to. Um, I, I forget if it was in the, the, the I want to say around the eighth uh, foundational falsehood of, of creationism when, when you, you mentioned that one. Um, and I want to highlight that that work of yours. Uh, anybody who's watching this, if you haven't checked out Arn's series on the foundational falsehoods of creationism, it is not just about creationism. It is this giant, it's an, it's an epic work. I don't even want to know how long it took you to put that whole thing together. Um, but it is, it is very much worth checking out. When I was coming out of, of Christianity, when I had all of these questions about science, when I consistently saw creationists misrepresenting scientific positions, lying about what evolution even is, um, Arn's work was extremely helpful to me uh, in, in digging my way out of that stuff. Uh, so thank you, Arn, for putting all that together. Um, and, and as a final point on this, one thing that you say in that, in that work is that the reason why creationism is so important to these people is that they're, they're not defending God because evolution doesn't have anything to say about whether there is or isn't a God, but it's defending the mythology. It's defending the stories and the story books. Um, do you think they're aware of this <laughs> as they're doing it? The thing is, since they, nobody has a direct relation to God, I mean, everybody lies about that, and they all say that God talks to me, but the only thing they, that anybody can pretend to know about God is whatever they woefully interpret out of the fables that were written by men about God, which are then misattributed to become God's word somehow. So they have to argue that the, the Bible is the absolute truth, even, even the parts that contradict the other parts. You know, so, so they they can't distinguish doctrine from deity, so they worship a book. They are bibliolaters. And you and you've had a, a, a bunch of experience in uh, in Texas dealing with um, government agents with with school boards uh, and members of school boards working to uh, to sort of foist this stuff onto onto children who don't know any better, uh, whose brains are still developing, who don't have critical thinking skills. Uh, are you still involved in, in that type of work? I, I saw you uh, you did a debate um, would have been about what five six months ago with uh, with uh, the dentist uh, <laughs> Don uh, is it McElroy McLeroy something like that uh, Don, Don McLeroy uh, yeah. although it's often pronounced McLeroy but okay. it, yeah re reading it it would be McLeroy and maybe, maybe he calls himself McLeroy I'm not sure but I I loved having that debate I've been wanting that debate for better than a decade so, and. <laughs> I, I I salivated at the opportunity, and I got exactly what I wanted out of it. For and for he, those who don't know who he is, how would you describe? I want people to know that there are people who are very intentionally working to advance their agendas in in government, in at the state level, um, and at the federal level, um, and and that this this is stuff that should be taken seriously. That that skeptics, that atheists, that humanists need to be intentional with their activism because. They sure as hell are on, on sort of the other side of the coin here. Don, Don McElroy had admitted on national news that his job was, to, that he considered that his job was to indoctrinate sequestered students to his religious and political beliefs, regardless what the perspective of the children's parents were. 
and he's not alone on the Texas school board. I mean, and 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 I, I think a lot of people may not realize how the Texas school board has the, an impact on on national curriculum. Yeah, well, it, it did. Uh, not quite so much anymore, but it, it it was like that for a while. Okay, well, that's a good change. I, last I heard, it, it was sort of related to you know with, with Texas being uh, this major buyer of textbooks that would influence uh, what the publishing companies were putting in textbooks that would leak into other states. Texas um, used to have a financial advantage because Texas and California were both so big that it was those those two states would dictate what goes into the textbooks. You had to cater to them. Hmm. And Texas, of course, made up these ridiculous demands that you had to cater to all of the you know, pig-headed religious nonsense. And so that's why the, the, the textbooks at some points, depending on which textbook it was, they either advocate for slavery or they, they defend or apologize for slavery and make excuses for it. There were arguments for Jefferson Davis using the Bible to defend slavery, for example. Uh, sex education, of course, has to be, you know, forgive the pun, but perverted, right? So they're they're perverting the, the teaching of sex education. It was actually worse on history than it was on science. But, you know, they're perverting science, too. They're teaching you that evolution is only a theory. And, and they said because... The, the, they were run by Republicans, and the Republican Party is owned and controlled by the Koch brothers, who were a uh, who are a uh, a fossil fuel concern. Then our Texas textbooks are unable to talk about anthropogenic climate change as if it's a real mm -hmm. thing. So, in the Texas Republican Party platform, it says that we will not treat, or that we will treat uh, anthropogenic climate change as questionable theories that in evolution and uh, Big Bang cosmology and any other thing that, con that, that contradicts the Bible. And then in other earlier versions, they said that, you know, they, that they can't teach critical thinking because that would challenge a student's fixed beliefs. I saw that. Uh, that. That might be the most shocking quote that I've seen related to education in the United States. Um, it's amazing that got in there. I mean, even, even pig ignorant people recognize oh crap we put that in there did you notice that other people notice we put it in there <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's just to be that that overt with it um but it seems to me that critical thinking is is the way out i mean i i here in chicago i don't know what the situation is uh, where you're at in texas right now uh the stat that i read was that about one in 18 people in in this city has covid and i still see people out not wearing masks and congregating and you know, they're, they're, <laughs> the critical thinking, uh, there, there seems to be a problem here. Um, yeah. So I... Uh, in a sense, the problem is working itself out, isn't it? Because uh, well, it's the people who don't want to wear masks are the ones who are making it a political statement. Yeah. I wonder how many voters the president cost himself um, just by, look, you know... Look, look at South Dakota. South Dakota is embroiled in this right now because their government is a... Is a, is a a true Trump ass kisser. Hmm. And she's, she refuses to mandate masks. She refuses to advocate masks because political statement and she's a Trumpister. So what that ends with that, what that means is that all these people in her state, and we've seen the interviews with the nurses, right? When they're saying that they're in this frustrating situation because they have people on their deathbeds who refuse to accept that mm. they have COVID because they think COVID is a hoax. I did see that. I saw that. Yeah, people literally with their dying words saying it's not COVID. How? How? Imagine the depth of stupidity here. I mean, it's one thing when Trump said that that it's a hoax, right? Okay, so you're gullible. You're an idiot. You think that Trump said? You think anything that Trump said ever in his life was true? Okay, you're an utter moron if you believe that. But then when Trump got the disease himself. And then told people that to go out and get it because you'll be stronger. Trying to prove Nietzsche, I guess. I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so just bear in mind, okay, so the president has tested like every day or every other day at least. And so he has that advantage that most other people have because if you wait on this, yeah, it gets it gets progressively worse really fast. So if you're right on top of it, and then he gets these experimental drugs that are not available to the rest of the public. So he gets immediate treatment, the best treatment in the world with experimental drugs that the rest of the people can't have. We don't have access to those. And he gets cared because of the early, early warning. Mm -hmm. So then he says, 
He got this disease. He got treated from it. He's over it. He's all good. Go out and get COVID. You'll be stronger. Right. And the, right. the people who worship <laughs> like he's a standard case. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That guy now think that COVID is still a hoax. The reason they thought so was because Trump told them that it was, but now Trump told them that he got the thing, but they still think it's a, what depth of delusion is that? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, delusion, delusion. I remember, it's a, I remember hearing the story about this little old lady who, who didn't believe that airplane flight was possible. Now, this was obviously decades ago. Uh, she didn't think that it was possible to fly in an airplane. And because she had a medical condition, they had to fly her in for emergency service. They had to load her onto an airplane. So she's flying herself and she's laughing at them throughout the flight because she is not such a fool that she would buy their state-funded conspiracy that she's flying. See, you said this was years ago, but you could have told me this was, you know, last Tuesday and I would have believed you because we're, we live in an era where flat earthers get, get traction, you know, where, where COVID being a hoax is something that people believe where, where QAnon is, is a thing. I talked where, to one of my oldest and best friends today, minutes ago. That's his news source. Is the QAnon stuff? The QAnon, the Newsmax, the 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 what was the other one? Aon or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So he only watches Fox News is not propaganda enough for him. So he watches the more radical uh, lie factory to then laugh at me about how ill-informed I am when I watch Senate hearings live and I know better than what he just said. I wish people understood that confidence. It has nothing to do with whether or not your your belief is true. Yeah, that was the fourth foundational falsehood of creationism. I wrote that in my book. You know, it was something that you know the Dunning Kruger effect is how we recognize it now. But lots right. of people had had known about it before. I mean, uh, there were people that, that warned against false knowledge being being much worse than ignorance, right? And and, and Darwin himself recognized. He said he said that ignorance more uh, more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. Yeah, yeah. There's no. If you don't know Dick about Jack, then suddenly somehow you think that makes you more qualified or a better expert than than everybody who spent their lives studying the shit. Right, right. I, I. So this is the thing. So my channel, what we talk about, it's all, it's all skepticism. It's all epistemology. It's all, you know, how do you know what you know? Um. So, what's the? What do you think of? Is the is the roadmap out of here in terms of communicating to people the importance of of having better epistemology than, than leaning on faith or incredulity or whatever they're using to reach their conclusions. I'm just wishing I could remember how Bertrand Russell said it when he says that the problem with the world today is that the ignorant are so confident and the wise are full of doubt. Full of, full of doubt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Cause the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know, but if you're too damn stupid to know anything, then, you know, think, you know, everything. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm reminded also of a, of a quote from Christopher Hitchens. Someone asked, said, told him that he, they were thinking about writing a book. And he said, you know, I, I believe there, there is a book inside of, of everybody, but for most people, that's where it should stay. But yeah, in today's, right. <laughs> but in today's climate, the, it, it's just, uh, last week I, I had Anthony Magnabosco and Objectively Dan on here, and they talked about this, how with Twitter, with, with Facebook, there's no barrier to publication. Any asshole can just type whatever they want and people will read it and go, that's true without any kind of, uh, you know, skeptical lens whatsoever. So th this is where I'm, I'm, I'm like very concerned about, it seems to me that bad epistemology, it represents, you know, at this point, sort of a, like it's a, a threat to our species. Um, <laughs> I'm working on a book right now that that might end up being published the, the self-publishing way online that a lot of other people are doing. I'm I'm not sure yet. It might be uh, because when you do it virtually like this, you have the you have the advantage of still having links included in it that still work. You know, when it's published online like that. But uh, I'm actually working on a couple of books. But but for this, the one I'm talking about right now is an uh, an infidel reads the Quran. Hmm. I'm over halfway through it. Yeah, you're doing videos on this, right? On an ongoing yep. basis. Yeah. So, so the way I the way I'm doing the Quran is I realized that if I had been born into Pakistan, I would be infinitely familiar with uh, Islam, with Hinduism, and with Sikhism. Uh, and which Sikhism is the fourth is the fifth largest religion in the world. 
Uh, and I, I would know those three religions intimately well, but I wouldn't have known anything at all about Christianity. When Sikhism was founded in the 1500s or thereabouts, um, God visited Guru Nanak and told him that neither of the two great religions were the true path. And the two great religions to which God was referring to was Islam and Hinduism. Because for whatever reason, God forgot there was a Christianity. God hadn't heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because the God of Pakistan wasn't familiar with this obscure foreign religion. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but now, if I, had, if I had been raised there and somebody just handed me a Bible, and if I'd never met a Christian, right, if I'd never had in-depth conversations about their Christian belief system and all that, I would have read the Bible. I would never have gotten the idea that the serpent was supposed to be Satan. Because not only does the Bible not say that anywhere, not even in Revelations, but it doesn't even allow that to be a possibility. If you read what the Bible says and not do like not Christians do, Christians read between the lines and then ignore the lines. Yeah. But if you actually read the Bible and you, you were not taught the, the traditional interpretations, then you would not have you, you would you wouldn't have interpreted the way anybody else has. I mean, the, the serpent in the garden is definitely not Satan can't be, as one example. So when I, I realize that if I'm reading the Quran, I don't speak Arabic. I was not raised in Islam. I do not know the traditional interpretations for all these things. And you have to. And I've, I've gotten that confirmed over and over and over again, because what I do is I I read uh, a, I read a copy that was given to me when I went to Dubai. A friend of mine, an Arabic friend there, gave me a copy of the Quran, and I've been reading that translation. But I've been comparing that translation to other translations, like four or five other translations, including the Tafsirs. You can't compare it to the Hadiths because there's too fucking many Hadiths to take seriously. They don't even know how, how many Hadiths there are. But the Hadiths, to summarize, is when humans clarify what God meant. Right. <laughs> in the book that God said is the ultimate in clarity, that, the, that, the, that the, the Quran has been written in Arabic so that it would be clear for all to understand. Right. And it's the muddiest piece of shit that was ever written. <laughs> I, no, I, so I did this. So when I, when I was an undergrad, I, uh, some, I studied English literature, and uh, someone in one of my classes mentioned how the Quran was the most beautiful book in the world. And I went, fuck? I, I went, really? Okay, I've never read the Quran. So I'll go. So I the next semester I enrolled in a class on the Quran and it was taught by a Muslim man. Um, I was the only non-Muslim in the class, which I thought I still think was an, an advantage because I could ask all kinds of questions. Um, I was the only atheist in my in my class on the history of world religions. Yeah. It, well, and, and, and reading it. I was also the only one to get an A. <laughs> I got an A in my, I got an A in my Quran class, but I, uh, I, the most common, the whole concept of abrogation just was brought up over and over and over because the contradictions in the Quran are so numerous. Um, abrogations it, come up in every one of my meetings. Well, I have to clarify after I read all these translations and different translations, compare them to figure out what the fuck this clearest of all books is talking about. Um, I then have to confer with this. I have these video hangouts where I talk to people who were raised in Islam and who mm. speak Arabic to tell me what I got right or wrong and clarify mm. what the traditional Arabic interpretations of these things are, because I think that's the only way that a Westerner could really understand the Quran. I'm doing it the absolute best way that I think it is possible to do. And I don't think anybody can fault me on that. And I've invited believing Muslims to join me over and over again. They will not. Mm. I had one believing Muslim on briefly and he deconverted by the third episode oh wow i mean <laughs> i wish i could say i was surprised because i kept when i would ask all these questions ultimately every single conversation would begin with abrogation i'd be like well wait a minute it said this over here and now we're saying this what's the deal then we'd go down that rabbit track and then i would we, i would talk about this this really really looks like it was just written by people you guys and it was every no shit Every single, every single uh, one of these conversations dead ended in, well, it's because you're not reading it in Arabic. If you would just read it in Arabic, then you would see how beautiful and inspired and perfect it is. And I was like, I, how come God couldn't make his message clear to me? 
You know, I, I like, I, I'm like, I get what you're saying. You're saying it's only perfect in Arabic, but isn't that God's problem? Not mine. You know, if, 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 if God, the God wanted to communicate with me, could he do it? <laughs> As I'm sure you remember over and over and over again in the Quran, God is complaining that the shit that he yeah. keeps trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it reminds me of the Old Testament. I mean, it's, I mean, it's all very Abrahamic. I mean, it, it, the, the whole story of God is just this sort of comedy of errors in the, in the Old Testament, as you know, and, and the Quran seemed to be a continuation of this. Um, yeah, God keeps saying that he, I keep sending messengers and the people never believe them. And so I have to keep punishing the people for not not believing the crazy fucking weirdo that I send down with impossible claims with no evidence. Why don't you believe the crazy weirdo who brings no <laughs> evidence? And, and you just kind of want to sit God down on a sofa and realize, you know, you've made this mistake now. The same mistake. Like seven <laughs> or eight times. And you've had to kill a whole bunch of people for your goddamn mistake, Mr. Infallible. It's time for you to figure out what you're doing wrong. And maybe you have the ability to talk to everybody in the world at once. You can fill our hearts, all of us, at once. Yeah. Why don't you try that? The thing that kills me is that, in my experience, at these moments in conversations... It, when it, whether we're talking about the Bible or the Quran or the Book of Mormon or whatever, um, this is I, this is a right around the time when when I run into well, you just don't want to believe, or you're an atheist and you're you're arrogant, and I I I fundamentally don't understand how saying look I don't have the universe figured out. Your book says it does, and it, it it's it's not making a whole lot of sense. Yeah, after how after a quarter century of doing this as as full time as can be i have become arrogant <laughs> but i did not start out that way it, it's 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 going into this fight forever did ray comfort do this to you are <laughs> yeah, hoping in the beginning that maybe they'll have something of substance because I would, I'd be so open to believe if there was a supernatural aspect of the universe, if there, if, because at least that would render the possibility of maybe psionics, maybe you know, like that, that, you know, mind abilities, you know, something that maybe there's some some greater grandeur to the. Show me that there's something like that. But no, frauds, falsehoods, fallacies. That's it. That's all. Yeah, and I just I for any believers watching. Like really, please think about where the arrogance is in saying I've got the universe figured out because the book tells me so, and I believe it without evidence. Or the guys like Arn and me who are piping up from the back of the class, going, "We are you sure? <laughs> we can you can you show us better, please?" Um, yeah. Arne, there are there are four questions that I I'm trying to ask every every guest on here. We've kind of touched on some of these, um, so this is the worst, you know, most heavy handed transition in the history of internet interviews. But first question is if you were to identify one key feature of sound epistemology, what would it be? And the way that I, I asked, uh, I've asked this question to, to other guests is if you could wave a magic wand and give everybody in the world one tool to get closer to finding truth, what would you, what would you give them? Well, I've had to decide what truth is, and I, I started with a very lofty philosophical type definition, and then I realized nobody else was doing that. The people that I'm arguing with are not using the lofty definition. They're using the truth is whatever's true. Right. Well, in order to say whether something is true, we have to be able to show that it's true, right? So you can't call it truth if it ain't true. So we have to be able to show that first. And so what is the definition of a fact? I mean, a fact is objectively verifiable data, right? A fact is something that's not argued. I mean, we can demonstrate that this is true. So we have to accept that that's true. Uh, it's it's either not in dispute or it's indisputable. Mm. So that's what a fact is. So the truth is what the facts are. It's whatever we can show to be true, not whatever else you might rather believe. Because every lie has to be sold under the caption of truth with a capital T. But can you show the truth of it? And I get into arguments on evolution all the time. And I'm like, okay, let me show you the truth of it. 
and you show me the truth of your position. There isn't, and it just, just imagine the abject failure over and over again of having people argue with you where they know, you know that they know that they, they know you know that they know that they're lying to you, but they're still lying to you. Well, the, and, and you know that there's no, there's not a chance that they don't know that they're lying at this point. Not anymore. You've corrected them on this exact point so many times, and they're repeating the same error that we, we've already been over this. This no, is a, I've already shown you. Yeah. Evolution does not teach that people came from rocks. Here's what we actually teach. Notice, right. rocks are, are minerals. No minerals in the earliest forms of no minerals. Look at that. Can't come from rocks. That was wrong. You lied. You need to correct yourself. Now, admit to me, evolution does not teach that people came from rocks. Make that admission, and we can go. Can't. Yeah. Can't. No, I, I got to stick this. with the lie. It doesn't matter how stupid the lie is. They got to stick with it. They cannot concede any error. There's no beneficial mutations. Here's a list. How they were proven in the lab to be beneficial. How they were identified. What type of mutation they were. Exactly how they were pinpointed on uh, in, in in mitochondrial DNA, all of that. No, we'll never make an admission. Here's the definition of a transitional species. You said there's no transitional species. Here's a list of 400 of them by the strictest possible definition. Admit that they exist. No, they can't. They can't admit. They have yeah. to lie. Yeah, and if the professionals. They have to lie to defend your truth, then it was never truth to begin with. Yeah, the, the, the professionals are the ones that I wish people would be aware of. I mean, the, 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 when you run into your professional creationists, your, your Ken Hams, your, your you know, Kent Hovens, these people, they, they know they're bullshitting you people. They, they've heard the reputations of their arguments, but they, they keep selling them because uh, they know that, that people will, will buy them. Um, I have got to grab another beer because I need to cool down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, I, I was I was sharing with you uh, the best one I've got at the moment. This is bourbon barrel aged, full grown scallion. Oh, there we go. Okay. There we go. And for the viewers <laughs> at home, this outside of Dallas. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, for the viewers at home, I, uh, I I'd heard ahead of time from from mutual friends that that Arn and I have. Um, that he's a fan of, of darker beers. So I went out and got some some porter, some coffee porter from a local brewery here in Chicago uh, so that we could sort of enjoy, uh, you know, a couple of, couple of drinks while we're doing this. Yeah, funny thing, one of my favorite beers, and I, I don't have a bottle of it here right now, I thought I did, is one called Big Bad Baptist. Big Bad Baptist. <laughs> Goofy name. What is some of the best beers have stupid names? I, you know, it, well, it's funny. I, uh, one of my favorite beers, I grew up in, in San Diego and, uh, there's a, a there's a, some great breweries out there, but my favorite, uh, was the Lost Abbey. And, uh, they, they, they had a, a stout, um, called Old Rasputin. That's one, that one. one of my, one of my favorites. Um, okay. As you're getting settled there with beer number two, the question number two here That's is, one, by the way, this one is from the same brewery. This one is full-grown ombre, <laughs> as opposed to full-grown scallywag. Okay. Uh, and this one is flavored with ancho chilies. That who was telling me this? That you drink beers with with like hot peppers in them? What, do you taste the hot peppers? Uh, you know, I think what I said to them was was that I'd be worried about a beer that's going to burn. You know, coming out the the, the back end of the experience. Um, it's got a it's got a slight tang to it, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no, it's not bad. I've, and I, I know that that thing where they talk about when it burns twice, uh, but I've gotten recently into some stuff that burns thrice. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Do we want to explore this? <laughs> when when you get into a higher a high enough concentration of Carolina Reaper, oh, it comes out in your urine. Yeah. And it will remind you of that time back in high school when you dated Donna Rhea. I, a friend of mine and I did a, did a, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, there's an internet show called uh, Hot Ones where uh, a guy interviews celebrities while they eat progressively yeah. hotter wings. A friend of mine and I, we're, we're both weenies. Uh, we both aren't, aren't big spicy food guys. We, uh, we, we bought all the, the hot sauces from the show and we were like, how bad could it be? And the answer was, was pretty bad. Our, my family was watching and, and laughing as I'm, you know, look like a strawberry and I'm sweating and I, I have you know, most of those spices, at least the top part. 
Okay. I think the hottest one that we did right now, the hottest one that we did, um, I don't know, because the, the hottest one that we tried, um, both of us agreed, was not the one that was rated with the highest Scoville rating. Um, there was one that we had that was called De Bomb that uh, we felt like sort of burned the worst. I didn't like De Bomb. I thought that there was, it was over-advertised. I thought it was disappointed. It, 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 the bomb was not, the flavor wasn't there, mm. and I didn't yeah, think it tasted terrible. There's there's one called the last dab. Yeah, that's pretty good. And there's one that we have that I think is worse than that. Actually, it, it, it's one we get again locally. We get the best shit locally here. Uh, there's one called a hundred percent pain. Oh yeah, we had that one. That that yeah. that's got a great flavor. We had that one. It did. It did. But see, this was another. This I mean, this was just skepticism in action. I'm watching the show. I'm going, how bad could it be? And then you test it. That's what you do, viewers. You got to test your, your shit. Um, okay. So the, the second of the four questions, uh, and we've touched on this. I mean, it's all over the place. But when you look out in the world, whether it be, you know, in your interactions with people or social media or whatever, where do you most see bad epistemology manifesting? Where is it most obvious to you? As I mentioned, whenever you get into an argument with a with a creationist, or really anybody that's trying to to prove their religious position to you, it's always that that, that they mistake arguments for evidence, hmm. and then their arguments are always always logical fallacies. Case in point: William Lane Craig, who's reputed to be the best of the Christian apologists, which makes you wonder how Christianity still exists. If, if he's the best they've got, because everything he everything he says is logically fallacious. I, mean, I, I, I love that you just say it, Aaron. I, <laughs> I really do. I, that's, that's why I wanted to have you on the channel. I love that you look just at his, say it. his favorite argument, the Kalam cosmological argument. Right? It like requires two erroneous assumptions at the onset. Yeah, you know, well. There's just no defending that, and it's like, and it, with that kind of vacuity. How the fuck does he keep going? He's had a career of like 25 years of doing these high-level debates where he won't debate anybody that doesn't have a PhD because he has to pull himself up by other people's bootstraps to make himself look more important, right? Yeah. And then all he's got is the same patent little quote phrase. That's it. It's like Ray Comfort, right? 25 years of the same stupid spiel of, have you ever told a lie? What yeah. you a lawyer. It's right? like going. It's like going to see Gallagher. You know what he's going to do. The, the the hammer's coming I out. He's going to smash the watermelon. <laughs> I bet at some point there's going to be something akin to a sledgehammer hitting a watermelon. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Question number three is: uh, Where do you see bad epistemology? I love Gallagher, by the way. Right. <laughs> where? That's a reference that's going to sail right over most of the viewers' heads. But you know, Gallagher references. Why not? Uh, where do you see bad epistemology manifesting in your own life? Where where do you see your own? Where are your blind spots? Well, how would I know my own blind spots? Uh, the, the best I can the best that I can say is that I, I have to be aware that they have to be there. And so one of the one of the mantras that I teach myself is is that it, it, the purpose of science is to improve understanding, and the only way to to do that is to seek out the flaws in your own perception and correct them. And I'm always finding out something that I finding out that something that I read that I thought was true, that I thought was completely reliable. Why would anybody lie about that? Turned out to be wrong, but because I repeated it, that makes me wrong. God damn it. Right. right, right. So, <laughs> case in point, case in point, uh, cause this is a big one. You, you remember you were talking about people can, can just, anybody can just publish whatever they want online. Right. Yep. Well, I got this wrong. And somebody published a book about how I have personally, me, just me, it's a book about me, about how I have deceived thousands and thousands of people. Because I read an article by Voltaire, where Voltaire said that, uh, that, that, the, at, that, that the, what was to be included in doctrine and what, which books were once thought to be of the Bible, or had since been dis, uh, dis, uh, discarded from the Bible, that these decisions were made at the Council of Nicaea. Voltaire said that. And then at the same time, when I wrote this, there was a popular artist uh, or a popular author 
who had just come up with the what was it the Da Vinci Code? I think it was. Oh, the Dan Brown or whatever. The, yeah, Brown. Uh, I yeah. think that was the guy. I think that was the guy. But he was arguing the same thing. He also so here's a Christian apologist in the modern day also saying that this was decided in the Nicene Creed or in the Nicene Convention. So I figured, okay, well, if Voltaire said it and modern Christian apologists are saying it, then that must be the thing, right? It must have been at the Nicene. So I said, so this happened in the Nicene Convention. And then I find out later, it didn't happen then. It had happened at a whole, like, a whole collection of other events prior to that. But now there's a book written about me, about how I've deceived thousands. <laughs> Well, but this is a great point. That, you never know. You never know when you when, <laughs> when when multiple sources agree with each other and they have no reason to lie about this particular thing. Why would you even suspect it? Right? Well, but this is this is the thing about skepticism. I mean, people people think that skeptics are like people who think that we're never wrong, but no, it's really just this process of constantly confronting how wrong you are and how susceptible one is toward being wrong and learning about fallacies. And and God, I I, I can't tell you how often I, I find myself saying something and then as the, the bullshit is coming out of my mouth, being like, oh my God, I just, that was a fallacy. I need to bring that back in or or, or immediately correct it. And And that's the process. It's just doing the best you can do. Because so we're, we're, we're worried about being wrong, that we said something wrong. And, and then as a result of that, that means that somebody else is going to be deceived by that. So we feel a moral obligation to correct that. Do you get that with religion? <laughs> no, Carl Sagan pointed this out himself. He said that, uh, that, that when he's talking to scientists, he said one thing that, doesn't, that happens with scientists that does not ever happen with religion or in politics, either one. He says that, that when you, uh, you correct a scientist, you point out that they were wrong about something. And the scientist admits right there, wow, yeah. right. They'll thank you. Yeah, <laughs> wrong. And yeah. then Carl Sagan said, and then they never repeat that old error again. Right. But you said that doesn't well, happen in religion or in politics. I, I got it. There, there was a, a, a gentleman that I, we, we served in the army together, and I, I, uh, he become sort of more and more radicalized during the Trump years. And we were talking um, and I, I forget what the specific fallacy was that he was using, but I spent like three days explaining to him in this back and forth on, you know, in, in uh, text to each other, why it was a fallacy and what it means for something to be a fallacy and, and demonstrated it. And it ended, I, I, I said, if I can show you that this is a fallacy, will you stop using it? And he goes, yeah. And then at the end, it's like, okay, you've shown it. I'll stop using it with you. With, with me. You. With me. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we, we just spent all this time. You're going to keep using it with other people. Yes, it's effective. I'm going to keep using this argument with other people. And it just, I, I, it broke my heart. I've said this in every interview that I've done. I've done a lot. But I have to point out that truth is irrelevant in the mind of the believer. They don't care what the facts are. They don't care what the reality is. It's all about what you want to believe. I, I got into it with a, with a a professor of philosophy at a Christian seminary, and he had a PhD, which means he's right. And he argued with me that evidence is not evident because facts are not factual, because nothing can ever be objectively verified, because reality is whatever we imagine it to be. And so his opinion of reality equals or betters my opinion of reality. It's all just opinion. It's just what all whatever we want to believe. I'm sure you've heard the Isaac Asimov quote about how the, the, the problem with American intellectualism is and, and is this idea that's spread throughout the public that my ignorance is as good as anyone else's knowledge. Exactly. So I've had many, many people over and over again admit to me that they know, one way or another, they phrase it different ways, but one way or another, they know that what they believe is not really the truth, but they're going to believe it anyway. Yeah. it's I, I don't know why it still surprises me every time it happens, because it does it happens regularly um, in, in, in the conversations that I have with believers. It happened with Don McLeroy. He walked out. You can watch that debate. Yeah. Watch the very end. He walked out of there knowing that I'm right and he's wrong, but he's going to believe anyway.
So when you're going into these conversations, I, I'm, I would assume I'm asking, uh, you, you're not, this is for the benefit of the viewer, right? Not because Don, Don McLeary is not, I mean, he's like you said, he's going to still go off and do whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's the thing people will ask, you know, well, why do you do this? Why have a YouTube channel? Why go out there and be public about this stuff? And I, what, you, people watch and people can see exposing the the sort of vacuous nature of, of a lot of these claims um, has a lot of value. So you know, a big thing in surfing is catching the right part of the wave. Hmm. So when I started my YouTube channel, when I did when I dedicated my YouTube channel to countering creationist claims, I obviously had no idea that that it was going to take off the way that it did. I just knew that I needed to do something. I, I could see the writing on the wall. I'd seen all of the uh, the Christian evangelists talking about how they're over going to they're going to overturn our democracy and replace it with a theocracy that enforces God's law. Right. And they were going to do that by by misleading public schools to teach to to have public schools teach lies about evolution to children, and that these lies would cause the the children to question science and to doubt science, and this would make them open to religious beliefs. And then they can force the religion on them. So they know all along that they are lying to children. And here I am so naive that I thought that if you show the Board of Education that what they're saying is a mistake, that it's wrong, that they would say, oh, look at that. What we've been saying has been wrong all this time. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, we'll fix it. We won't say that wrong thing again. What, right. a, what an idiot I was. I thought people had integrity, ethics. The fuck did I know? I still think that they, I still, I don't know, maybe I'm just too much of an optimist. I still think that most people do. I think that that these people who have put themselves in these key positions of power clearly don't. Um, and their their impact is... Either. Is was that... I didn't catch the last thing you said, Arne. <laughs> so why else would they be there? Right, right. I mean, it's like Don McLeary said, that the reason he was in his position was to indoctrinate everybody's children with his religious and political ideas. And that that's why he was elected. So the people elected him for that reason in his mind. And he said that in a national news interview. One wonders how much of his constituency. I, I I doubt he campaigned on that. You know. Oh, of course not. <laughs> it's like, well, on this. Okay, so uh, we're, we're we're running short on time. So, speaking to that sweet spot of the wave, how do you think we should best communicate the importance of sound epistemology to people? For those out there who do care or who have questions, um, for, like, for folks who are like me, in you know, ten years ago, reading my Bible, going, I, I don't think this makes sense. So I'm talking to one of my, my oldest and best friends today, not an hour ago, and he's repeating all of this uber-extreme right-wing paranoid crap. Where are you getting that? You understand that if you watch Fox News, then it's it's worse than if you didn't watch any news at all because all they do is lie every day. That's why, they have a, that's why they'd have a disclaimer on their website that they're not news their entertainment. That's how they get away with lying every day. Did you read about the the Tucker Carlson, the, the lawsuit that was going on? This is just within the last month. There was um, a, a, a brief that was submitted by Fox's attorneys. Um, this is in the Eastern District of New York saying that no reasonable person would watch Tucker Carlson and think that what he says is fact. And that was their way out of a, uh, I, I want to say it was a libel suit. That was the Larry Flint defense. Yeah, yeah. Except, except that today, that's it, Larry Flint would be taken seriously. So my friend decides that Fox News is not trustworthy because Fox News sometimes recently has started fact-checking Trump. And anybody <laughs> that fact-checks the liar-in-chief can no longer be trusted. 
That's such a surprise that he has to move on to Newsmax or QAnon or some other further right-wing conspiratorial theories that he has to go to Infowars or some such shit like that. It's funny when that happens. The Blaze. That's where my friend gets the news from. Because Fox News wasn't right-wing extremist propaganda enough. When a sentence starts out, good and then takes a hard turn. It's like, I think I'm starting to question Fox News. You're like, good, because they're, <laughs> they're facting the president. Oh, no. <laughs> it just goes the wrong what, way. What part of fact checking do you not fucking understand? So, so my friend and I are having this argument today. And he tells me, you know, that Biden is just as bad as Trump. How is Biden just as bad as Trump? I said, Trump has been a career criminal his entire fucking life. Well, so is Biden because he hadn't done shit. Biden not doing shit is not a crime. You might find that you know, you're going to prosecute somebody in a, in a in a court of law because he didn't do shit. How is that a crime? When you run a fraudulent university, <laughs> when, <laughs> Your Honor, Arn was sitting on his couch when the murder happened. Clearly, we need to lock him up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I go I go through this like laundry list of shit that Trump has done that he's been. That he's that he lost the case that he had to pay damages for and all of this shit over and over and over again. Like when he once he's out of office, look at all of the people that are going to lob specific charges. Here are the charges of the things he's committed, the crimes he has committed while president. Now, now that I've given my list of crimes that, that President Trump has committed, name one crime Biden ever committed. Well, he didn't do anything in 47. That's not a crime. Yeah. You can't say that the guy who commits 20,000 lies as president just in a four-year period, the guy who has had 300,000 lawsuits or whatever the number is, because it's a ridiculous number. I mean, it really is. It's, yep. it's, it's, I think it's at least 1,000. Seriously. Seriously. Not exaggerate. I think it's at least 1,000, if not 3,000-something lawsuits that he's had against him for lack of payment, for not paying his employees, for, for, for committing fraud, for things that went into higher cases that he eventually lost and had to pay damages for. All of these things, all of these criminal acts that we know that he's committed before being a president and while he's committed be, for being a president, name one statute Biden actually, one law Biden broke. Well, his son took money from Ukraine. He was working for a Ukrainian company. What the fuck is the problem? They pay you when you work for a company. It's not a crime to get paid by the company you work for. Do you understand that? Hmm. You know, so in these in these interviews that I've been doing with people, I, I try to I'm trying to zero in on specific things, and I feel like we keep returning to this theme of of motivated reasoning <laughs> being something that really really fucks people up. My friend doesn't understand. He thinks the fact that somebody got paid by the Ukrainian company that he was working for that that's a crime. No, it's not. Your employer is supposed to pay you. Now, are we talking about some kind of crime that's connected to that in some way? If so, explain what that crime is. He can't. He just watches right-wing extremist propaganda shit, so he knows that it's bad because he was told that it's bad, but he doesn't know why it's bad, because he doesn't fact-check any fucking thing. He believes blindly whatever the fuck they tell him on his TV. And that's it. I don't believe anything that is told to me. I told my friend that when I watch something and they show a video of something that Trump actually says, and I now have a video of Trump saying that thing, I know that if, if they had done what they did with Star Wars, you know how Carrie Fisher, they, they put her in the movie after she died? Yeah, yeah. And they, they they did that with Peter Cushing too. He's the guy's been dead for decades, and suddenly he's in a movie. Right, right. And they show him in close up. <laughs> like, I hope his family. I hope his family got a piece of that. That was shocking in the theater. It's like, oh my god, I was pretty amazed. I'm like, wow, Grand Moff Tarkin. What, what are you doing here? All right, <laughs> cred for being a Star Wars nerd that you recognize <laughs> Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin. Of course, of course. Okay, so, yeah. But so if if they had done that kind of thing with Trump one time ever, what would the backlash of that be? I mean, somebody's going to, Trump would have said that he didn't say that. Other other people would be corroborating that he did not say that. They'd have actual footage from the event to show that he did not say that. We would know that he did not say that. 
right? But here we have a video of him saying that, and he's not contesting it. So we know he said that. This is an interesting point that you're making, and I think this is a, is a great place to end because we're we're a little bit over time. Is is that the truth? The truth seekers and the bullshitters are playing by two different sets of rules. Absolutely. You see this when you're engaging with the creationists. You see this when you're engaging with people in the United States when, when trying to talk about politics these days. That there there's two different sets of rules uh, on the table here. Um, it makes it makes having productive conversations uh, impossible, and it's it's why insisting on on you know, I mean, it's funny because the, not funny, but it's sort of maddening, really. Let me the, give you an example. Yeah, I get into an argument with my mother because I spoke to her because that's all it takes to get into an argument. Um, <laughs> where she tells me that the Democrats are promoting post-birth abortions. Did we cover post-birth abortions in this interview? No. Okay, that must have been in my, my last 10 interviews. So, yeah, and I, I have it on video. I've seen the video where, where Trump says that the Democrats are promoting post-birth. 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 You've had a baby and it's alive, and now they're going to kill it after it's been born. And I said, you know, it wouldn't take it wouldn't take a whole minute on Google to prove that that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't find it, because it's never a named person. No. It's like all Democrats promote this. Well, hey, you know, I can point out to you know ten Democrats who don't promote that. That already disproves that. If I find one that we know that all Democrats didn't do that, but can you find any Democrat that did? Anybody that ever promoted? You can't find it. You can find right wing conspiracy crap claiming that Democrats, unnamed Democrats, allegedly said, but you can't find one that did. Not post birth abortions. It's like if you don't like your second grader, Nancy Pelosi says you can put him in a headlock and throw him in the dumpster. <laughs> but here's the thing. I can't get her to spend the one minute on Google. She does not want to know that Trump lied. Curiously, she already knows that Trump lied. She already knows that what she believes now is a lie. But one minute from now, she will still believe what she now knows is a lie. That's I, and that's not going to yeah. stop her from still believing that lie. Because for whatever reason, it justifies her to believe what she knows is a lie. That, you, you were asking me before about bad epistemology. Yeah. How the fuck could it get any worse? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I yeah. want to go back to another example that I love from, from years ago. Lindsay Lohan was going through her lesbian stage. <laughs> and she fell in love with a Jewish DJ. Like you do. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So she's, she's in love with this girl, and that girl is Jewish. And Lindsay Lohan is Catholic. Lindsay Lohan doesn't know what it means to be Catholic. She doesn't know what it means to be Christian. It's just whatever sports team you advocate. It's whatever T-shirt you put on. It's whoever's coffee mug you drink out of. That's that's what the religion you believe in is. Sure. So she said she she made the most bizarre statement that just beautifully encapsulates bad epistemology. She said that next month that she was going to convert to Judaism. Next month, not now. Next month. So she's decided that to what she believes now is going to change. Will, she will continue to believe what she believes now. That what she believes now is absolutely true. She believes that, but that thirty days from now, she will then shift so that what she believes now and what she will continue to believe for the next thirty days will suddenly not be true anymore, and that she will believe something else thirty days from now that she doesn't believe now. That's how religion works. It's the most batshit fucking insanity imaginable. <laughs> On that anyway, note. <laughs> if you're a religious believer, fix yourself. God damn it. <laughs> On that note, this is a perfect, that's a perfect ending point. Man, th th I don't know. This may need a part two at some point in the future if you're up for it, Aaron. This is too much fun. And I'm almost out of beer. Um, 
<laughs> but thank you so much for coming out. Would you mind just uh, telling any viewers what you're up to right now? If there's anything coming up that uh, you've got on the horizon, you, you mentioned a book you're working on. Well, I, I, I try to be the hardest work, working atheist activist that I possibly can be. I've got a, a number of different, uh, what is it, pans in the fire at <laughs> any one time. I'm, I'm, I'm one class away from having my Bachelor of Science in Anthropology, which unfortunately, because I wasn't able to get that one class in this semester, I have to wait till the end of the next fucking semester. <laughs> I want to say, for people who, who, I mean, last time I looked, you had something close to like 800 videos on YouTube. Um, I, I have no idea. Yeah. What, what, what matters to me is that I've been doing this full time. This is my only vocation. This is my way of making a living. Uh, I support myself on Patreon and I need all the help I can get really. I mean, most other people with YouTube channels that make their living off of YouTube channels, uh, they have millions of subscribers. If they, if they do makeup tutorials, hmm. <laughs> Every one of their videos will have a million, you know, millions of views. But that way, any, any, any video channel that that focuses on on science advocacy or that teaches science lessons, you can see the best science documentary that that was ever made, and it'll have forty thousand views on it. That's it. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever thought of? I mean, there's there's a Venn diagram here, just waiting for someone to occupy that middle spot of the, the makeup tutorial slash science education <laughs> YouTube space. Yeah. It ain't going to so, be me, but <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So my, my final message is, is just that, I mean, I do need all the supporters I can get. I need all the help on, you know, patreon.com forward slash A R O N R A. Uh, and yeah, please assist. Yeah. We're going to put the links down there. Um, after we're done, I'll, uh, well, I'll get that, uh, that essay you were talking about. We'll make sure we put that link in there as well. And, and other places where people can find you, uh, Arn, Seriously, thank you so much for coming on. I really uh, value your work very much. No, thank you very much, sir. Awesome. All right. Ethan.